and welcome to episode 62 of the UC Architects, the world's most popular exchange, Office 365, and Skype for Business podcast. Soon to add teams, no doubt. Uh, today, <laughs> today's episode was recorded on the 20th November 2016. I'm your host, Pat Richard, and today I'm joined by uh, two guys that are putting a lot of time in here lately, uh, Tom Arbuthnot and John Cook. So welcome, guys. Thank you. So uh, we haven't uh, really talked about ourselves lately. So, um, Tom, tell us what's up with you. What's new in your life, uh, uh, professionally and personally? Um, it's been a silly season for conferences. I think we talked a little bit about it last week. But obviously we had uh, Ignite and MVP Summit and a few things in Europe. Um, I've been doing some stuff. He's been in, all over the place. Uh, yeah, I have. I've been, we've been doing a lot of stuff with modality around Europe as well. So we've done a few events around Europe. And I was at Unity Connect, uh, yeah, this week just got on Thursday, Friday, a conference in Amsterdam, which was really good. Uh, used to be kind of a SharePoint centric conference, but has branched out to kind of all up Microsoft 365 stack as, as, as everything seems to be doing these days. Um, I love conferences around, uh, kind of Amsterdam and the Netherlands. It's such a pretty place and really well connected, really good transport. So that's coming to an end now in terms of conferences. There's nothing, I think. I was looking at my diary this evening. There's nothing now until uh, Christmas, so that's quite nice. But, yeah, it's been good to do all this all this traveling and seeing lots of people in the community, but uh, it's nice to have a few weeks at home as well. And and you get to hang out with all the, the MVPs there in, uh, in Redmond last yeah, week, we were, so it's always good to... Uh, to that's it. We... we we have been had a bit of a running joke that like between Ignite and quite a lot of them did dev connections, I didn't, and then uh, the um, MVP summit and the ones in Europe. It's almost like we've seen some of it, uh, each other like every other week for the last six or eight weeks, uh, more than we see the rest of the year. So funny <laughs> more than you see your own family sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it feels a bit like that sometimes, <laughs> worryingly. So, uh, uh, John, what's new with you? Well. Uh, if you if you're not a Steelers fan, you're going to at least hear the game because my I can hear my wife screaming from the other side of the house right now. So you're probably going to be watching the game with us <laughs> somehow. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm just getting ready for. Uh, I hate to say it, it's already it's ridiculous. That it's not only it's not only it's just Thanksgiving, but it's I'm, the fact that there's already Christmas ads is just killing me. <laughs> so uh, I'm just getting geared up for the, uh, the the holiday season, planning my menus, and uh, I missed my bike sort of already. But it's it's 30 degrees out today, so while my dogs are happy, um, it's cold. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little cold to ride a motorcycle in this weather. So. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm glad. I'm glad she's safe for the winter. <laughs> as, as much as I have uh, heated grips and everything, uh, it's it's still a little cold on the face. Well, I woke up yesterday. There was like a little like flurries in the ground, and I hadn't gotten my snow tires on my. If uh, if I have my summer tires on my car uh, and it snows, I'm I'm going to die. So I'm glad my my, my, my snow tires are on. Yeah, seeing how you drive in your car, that's the well, true statement. And I, so. well, and I, <laughs> some some I was coming back after forgetting my tires on yesterday, and uh, some uh, young youngster in a uh, like a suit, what is it, the the, the BRZ, the uh, his Subaru, whatever little wannabe sports car thing. Um, he decided he wanted to get frisky, and I, I showed him what's what. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Junior. <laughs> Show you what it's like. <laughs> you, you, you sound a little proud, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked out. I'm like, I, I didn't realize how fast we were going. I'm like, oh man, if I get, if I if I got pinched now, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, yeah. let's let's head into the exchange topics. Um, we didn't really have any in the last episode, episode 61. So let's talk a few things. Outlook's new and improved calendar on the mobile devices, iOS and Android. So. Um, looks like it's kind of a new thing. So what's up with that, John? 
Yeah, it's good. I mean, again, it's more of the more of the um, you know the the integration uh, from the other apps that's coming in, and um, you know, and I, we've talked about this many times. I, I I love the client. I just I just I don't like the mail section. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's just it's not as pretty as the native client on, on iOS for me. But um, yeah, I mean. I use the calendar, so I basically I run you know both. I, I you know I use a mail client for mail, and I use the the Outlook client for for calendar now at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean you know more integration with with uh, other external services and stuff, and um, um, it's looking really good. Uh, I guess I wish the mail part was would you know kind of catch up a little bit, but um, yeah, it's awesome. So you don't use the Outlook client for mail. No, I just don't like. I don't know. I just I, I again, it's remember you know I've been running iOS for all these years and you know the mail client hasn't changed much in some ways that's better for me i don't know how to explain but i think most of it is like i you know on the mail client uh the native mail client i can i can expand out the um um the the number of line you know lines that are in a in a, in a message you know which really there's just not that much customization to the to the outlet client that's my one beef in terms of the mail piece you know um so I- I use the Outlook client, and like the thing I miss compared to native is the flipping between email and calendar. Like quite often, I'm halfway through an email, and I want to get back to my calendar, see what I'm referring to, and it doesn't have the peak view like some of the more advanced clients does. Um, but the thing that thing that wins me over in using it is the swipe right, swipe left stuff because you can customize that. So I, I might be unusual, but I have about a bazillion customer folders in my in my mail, and I use on on the Outlook desktop. I use a, a, a plugin called Simply File, which I love. Which every time I send a message, it prompts me where to file it, so everything gets filed by a customer or waiting for. And I can kind of do a poor man's version of that with the Outlook iOS app, because my swipe left is file, and it has a search box at the top as well, so I can search for the customer and find the find the right folder which is really handy okay yeah i use swipe uh swipe uh, swipe right for read unread and swipe left for delete but the one thing i don't like in the outlook app on ios is it doesn't have the notes section and i store a ton of information in notes in outlook really Oh, tons of it. I always, for years, I'll, I'll bet you in my huh. default account, I've got a hundred I don't think notes. I've used notes in like a probably you're, five you're, minutes. You're, you're, to, you're totally the only person in the world that does that, Pat. Totally. <laughs> no, but that's why I put like, uh, uh, well, you know, I put, I put stuff there because um, no matter what computer I have, I can access it. So I put, you know, account information in there and 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 other stuff, stuff that I need to kind of rem- quasi-remember. Um, you know, kind of freeform data, um, and I just wish I could get to that in iOS. It just drives me nuts. Um, but I, I use the the Outlook app for both calendar and mail, and I have you know multiple accounts configured. Um, and it it seems okay, but uh, I don't do a lot of mail on uh, mobile devices. But it's good to see that Microsoft is, oh, God, uh, I is do. adding some. I, I, I probably now at this point use my phone even if i'm sitting at my desk i'll probably it's just so much easier sometimes just to bang on a message on my phone than it is on a kind of desktop for i don't know why it's just like it's like you know it's, i i go to it more uh, often than not now uh see i i don't i mean i i i will look at text messages on my phone when i'm sitting at my desk only because there's no equivalent iMessages app for windows um but that's it yeah i don't have that problem yeah well i know because you're a mac guy but um 
you know, my Mac runs Windows like it should. Um, but uh, <laughs> every, everything else I just do for the PC, except text messages, unless I'm out and about. But uh, and then, then usually if I'm out and about, then I use my Apple Watch to uh, to deal with all that. Well, and it's like you know, it's like it, it just not to go on, a, on iOS or you know Apple ramp, but like there's there's sure. some things that I still. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know why Windows like there's so many things I can do with my phone. Like my phone and my and my 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 Mac desktops are one thing, right? And with it, Windows is just such a disconnect. And obviously, since no one has any Windows phones, I mean, you know, like it's just like there's a, just a disconnect. Like, why can we do those things on this platform when we haven't been able to for years, and we still can't on Windows? It just I don't understand sometimes, you know, like right. why they can't make that stuff just work, you know? Right, right. Um, so ta- talking about the uh, improved calendar in iOS, so Microsoft's still not killing off the Sunrise Calendar app yet, right? I mean, it's uh, which which has been a popular calendar um, app for people on iOS. Um, yeah, I used to I used to use that pre. Pre Microsoft and Post, when they when they said they were killing it or integrating it, I should say, into Outlook a mobile app, um, I did stop using it. But I, again, I miss the thing that I've lost is I used to have my calendar in one app and my mail in the other, so I could flip between the two. And now, and, until they introduce peak windows, you know, where you can kind of slide a slide a draft mail up and down, um, I did miss that. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Well, I mean, it's it's obviously with the acquisition of that Sunrise app and, and the things that they're adding to the default uh, Outlook app in iOS, I mean, it's all good, I think. Lots more productivity and, and functionality, so. Yeah, right. it's impressive how how much penetration they're getting with the Outlook ISF, I believe is doing really, really well, which considering there's a native, fairly decent experience in the box, that, you know, it takes a lot to shift people, so they're doing something right. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, many people have said that that's you know, probably the best client, you know, mail client for iOS. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I certainly partially agree with that. I mean, it's uh, especially because it's, it's such a universal app now at this point. You know, it's it's on every platform, and, and uh, uh, you know, just think about, like, you know, like how long Outlook's been around, the fact that like it's on mobile now too, it's just kind of I don't know, it's kind of nostalgic in some ways. You know? Well, you know, I, I think they've Microsoft has put a lot of work into the iOS apps, not just Outlook, but Skype for Business. I mean, if you compare the iOS apps versus like even the the Windows Phone apps or Android apps, the iOS apps I think always have the best feature sets and they look the best. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Skype for Business uh, app on the iPad. I think it's beautiful. Um, so it's it's interesting to see that they are putting all of that effort there in iOS. Obviously, it's got the largest market share, but you know, even putting it ahead of you know the the three people that are uh, still running Windows Phone. <laughs> Dave, where's Dave? <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor Dave. Well, I think mean, we we were talking about before we you know, we were just we were chatting before the, that we started the recording. We were talking about Teams. And uh, you know, like they, I, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk about the iOS or the the, the well, the iOS, but also the the Mac app. I mean, they kind of killed it. I mean, the, the 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 design on the Teams app for the for, for the Mac is amazingly cool. And and again, stylization wise, it's like exactly like the Skype for business for Mac. You know, and uh, me being the big Mac guy, um, I just thought like when as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like, just looks cool. You know, like even the 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 dock icon looks cool. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, so my hats are off to that. But I mean, I just love the fact that like you know they're they're really embracing all these other, and we talked about it a million times. But like, I just love the fact that they're, you know, embracing these other platforms. Windows or not, and they're just making good apps, you know. And the app speaks for itself. Doesn't matter what platform it runs on. Uh, this is the, you know, the, a great time to 
to be a Microsoft person, I think, in some ways. Well, well, you've got, you know, not only Microsoft, you know, developing stuff for iOS, but now, you know, one of the seven signs of the apocalypse happened recently, and um, um, so, you know... With the only, Linux Foundation. Yeah, so they joined the, the Linux Foundation, so, um, you know, people thought that was just, you know, hell freezing over, and one of the, the, the seven signs. So um, it's interesting, and I, I, I attribute that a lot to Satya Nadella, uh, that, you know, he's he's willing to step out of there and kind of, you know, knock down those walls between all these various platforms. So, all right, next up, um, if you have questions about uh, Active Directory functional levels uh, because you're about to deploy uh, Exchange 2016, well, the Exchange team on the ELO blog came out with uh, kind of a Q&A that answers all the questions about uh, what forest uh, functional levels you need to have, depending on what scenario you have, and uh, should answer all those questions. So we'll definitely get a list up there on the, the summary page for that. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 I think I retweeted when it came out, and I'm like, you know, it's something you don't really think about as much anymore. Like, you know, like, again, the same thing. It's what's the, the minimum is still 2008, so it's like, you basically, for the last almost decade, <laughs> if you haven't updated your forest functional level, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah, and, it, you know, in, in some organizations, you know, bigger organizations, changing the functional level, it takes a lot of freaking research to make sure you're not going to break stuff because, uh, you know, you go in one direction, it's really hard to go in the opposite direction and go back. So so good to see that they, uh, they have that information out there. Um, next up, Outlook anywhere is being deprecated so i uh have been out of the exchange world for kind of a, a little while but uh, this kind of surprised me so john what's up with this well i mean it's not that much a surprise in the sense um it's just basically saying that uh uh, uh you know they're rolling that back into um you know that's you know it's just legacy um you know connectivity option at this point right right so um tony redmond our esteemed uh MVP um, wrote an article on the Petri uh, website about this. So, um, you know, Mappy over HTTP came out, uh, you know, a couple years ago and, and everything. And um, so now it's uh, Microsoft's making this change back. So um, Tony tends to write a very detailed uh, blog post, and he's got tons of information here. So uh, check that out. Yeah, I mean, increasingly, just like you know, RPC being used, especially externally, is just so you know, it's just not a thing anymore. Right? It's like that's you know, it's like that's it's had its time in the sun, and now it's time to move on. And uh, um, and I think you know, it was not what in 2013 when they released it, uh, it wasn't it was one right, uh, it wasn't on by default. Um, but uh, I you know, you assume that every organization that's run in 2013 over the past few years, it's you know, uh, turned it on, and and and, and you know. At least they've, you know, you know, I forgot what level of client uh, won't ever uh, understand it. But I mean, you know, again, like we were just laughing about like the the force functional level. Like sometimes you hope that things just sort of like fix themselves in terms of people getting modern and you know and upgrading their stuff. But uh, yes, there's still Exchange 2007 out there. I can attest to that. <laughs> but uh, so so one thing to to keep in mind here, and um, Tony spells this out in his article, is this change, this uh, Outlook Anywhere going away, only applies to Office 365. Um, on-prem will still support it. So. Right. It's not like they're going to like you know like uh, reach into your tenant and <laughs> your on-prem tenant and turn it <laughs> off. Right. <laughs> that would be mean. <laughs> right. So um, no, not yet. 
Yeah, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, exchange, exchange is all in the cloud, uh, you know, now anyways, right? Yeah, I didn't realize you guys still had a server. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have, I have three at home. How about that? <laughs> you have until the end of October, Halloween of uh, 2017, uh, before that kicks in, so... And speaking of exchange, this is not quite exchange related, but uh, I'll draw the correlation here in a minute. So um, I don't know how many people saw this, but um, <laughs> these government employees were caught in this uh, reply all nightmare. Um, uh, the UK's National Health Service, so uh, uh, over by you, Tom, where um, a reply all storm right? yeah, it hit 840,000 employees yeah. and uh, took took down their email servers for for quite a bit so um tom how how bad was it portrayed in the media over there yeah it was um there was a few like blog posts and stuff it didn't like hit any of the mainstream media i don't think so um didn't, didn't really destroy anything everything carried on but uh it's a pretty 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 bad story like some someone in internal it sent it and within minutes their name was all over Twitter so it's not like they could hide from what they've done but the, the the problem wasn't them sending they sent a test message to everybody it's that classic reply all problem the, the reply alls are what really killed it and just people just kept replying all saying why have I been sent this um, so you know it's that that classic reply all storm thing that happens. Um, it all I think it was all recovered in about a day but not ideal obviously yeah, <laughs> well so- it's you know Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, so 840,000 people, there was at least 390 reply-alls. Um, <laughs> so if you if you do some math, that's 327 million emails that went out because of this, that the, that their and, mail and, system and, had and to all, deal with. All but one are all saying, hey, stop replying to all, dummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah. In, in, in these storms, like, you, know, you, you watch the forensics, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, watching, like, the virus spread, like, in, in like, World War Z or something, you know? <laughs> But one person says, stop replying to all. And that person replies, stop replying to all. <laughs> Not realizing the whole time, they're replying to all. <laughs> so, you know, this this brings up two things. The first is that when you create a distribution list that includes such a vast number of recipients, you really need to look at the ACLs for that distribution list. And make sure <laughs> right. that not everybody can, can, A, send to it, but B, you know, reply to to all to uh, to it because you run into these kind of problems. Um, and uh, it can get out of control real quick. Uh, but well, the second, and, you know, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm saying, like, and, and you know, this is not just another, This by itself is not just an exchange issue because I know for a fact uh, somebody I was talking to uh, actually literally this week. Um, so uh, uh, they're uh, uh, you know a, a Skype for business uh, deployment on prem and uh, many branch offices running SBAs right. And all of a sudden, they went limited functionality mode in one of the offices, and you know, no one knows why, right? But it turns out they sent a giant DL, and everyone replied um, with a, you know a decent sized attachment. So basically, they saturated the WAN, and so the SBA, the pool, lost connection to the SBA for a time period, right? So all the phones signed out, and all the link clients went limited fun- functionality, and so like you know, don't think that you know, I guess the, the, the moral is too is like it's not just a mail problem, you know, it's a simple networking issue, right? Uh, it could be anyway, and if you don't have QS and you know uh, uh, deployed and correct, um, you could actually knock out voice by sending an attachment to everybody. You know, uh, so these things uh, tend to be related. I guess the moral of the story. Yeah, all the more reason to make sure your QoS configurations are set up in Skype. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, shocking that this actually happened, but. <laughs> 
um, uh, you know, I guess the the NHS uh, Twitter account, you know, tried to mitigate some of it by telling people, you know, in that particular stream, you know, <laughs> stop replying to all. But you know, this reminds me of the the age old story about you know this happened at Microsoft many years ago in um, a distribution list called Bedlam DL3. And basically the same thing happened. Somebody s- realized they were a member of this uh, distribution list, sent an email to this distribution list saying, hey, what what is this distribution list for? And that caused a reply all storm that took Microsoft's mail system down for two days. And, um, you know, so uh, now, the, you know, if you go into Microsoft campus and, you know, into a room where there's a lot of kind of seasoned Microsoft people and just say Bedlam DL3, uh, <laughs> you know, people will say me too, you know, because they got caught up in, in all that. So, you know, by all means, please set the ACLs on your distribution lists. Keep this from happening. So I'd hate for my bandwidth to go down so I couldn't watch YouTube videos all day. Okay, uh, next, let's head over to the Skype side of the the world and uh, the new Skype UI. So uh, a little bit of confusion about this. There was um, some changes to the UI that were uh, pushed out briefly and a bunch of blog posts popped up about it and then it got pulled back. And uh, now, Tom, what's going on with this? Is it coming back out? Yeah, so this is this is interesting. So there was a blog post on Nextop uh, October saying watch out for this new UI, which which in itself is quite interesting. Like Nextop is, you know, was the blog back in the day and then kind of got killed off and then got revived. So it's not like it's, I would necessarily expect a lot of people to be following that blog. Um, but they're making UI changes for accessibility. And it was due to drop in current channel, um, which is like the normal release uh, or the normal fast release if you like um, and in deferred channel first release and not so not deferred channel which is the normal business release um, but it released in deferred channel and in current channel briefly and then got yanked from current channel so there's a bit of confusion about what was going on um, it pans out it just didn't make the cut of a later build of current channel due to an unrelated bug. So it's in deferred channel now, depending on which build you're on. And it is either in or back into current channel um, just after Thanksgiving. So depending on when this podcast drops, it will probably be back again. It's, it's relatively minor in the grand scheme of things. It's new iconography. The, the conferencing um, backdrop is now black instead of blue. So it's kind of following that Mac aesthetic which I really, really like, and the icons have all been updated a little bit. And uh, I'm running it right now, and I really personally like it. I think it's nice. Um, so look out for that, and if you're responsible for Office builds or Skype builds in your environment, be sure to keep an eye on either current channel or first release deferred channel um, so you know what's coming. So, um, you know, you and I were in uh, Redmond a week ago, and uh, one of the things that they said was, you know, like you mentioned, uh, most of these changes were done for accessibility reasons. Um, there was not enough contrast with some things, and it was hard for people with limited vision um, to to discern what the uh, what the buttons were for. Uh, but talking about the the backdrop in the when you're in a conference, going from blue to black. Um, so they, I guess they did some study that showed that when a background is black, your mind kind of uh, ignores that aspect of it. So it kind of blocks that out and makes the what else is on the screen um, 
uh, better for you. So I thought that was kind of interesting that you know they they go through all this, uh, in you know this uh, study and research to figure out hey what's the best color to put here or there. Um, yeah, they do. Um, they, they apparently they do different builds and, and test people and stuff. And apparently black. The, the the theory is that because we're so trained to see, you know, black bars when you watch TV and you watch cinema cinemascope uh, TV. Uh, 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 sorry, cinema film uh, on TV and you have the black bars. Apparently, after a while, you don't notice them. If you think about that, you watch a film, you don't constantly notice the black bars, and apparently that carries across to computers. So when you're in a conference and the background's blue, you're very aware you're losing a lot of screen real estate. When it's black, you it just disappears mentally, and you end up seeing the content more. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So look for that uh, soon. Now, now, Tom, you know, the question that, that always pops up, when some of these blog posts come out is, you know, what is click to run and what does that mean? And, and how is that different than not click to run? So explain, explain click to run versus MS, MSI. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, a, I've got a blog post on this, which is really, really long. So if you really want to know the details, then go there. But in, in summary, Microsoft's view of the world now is that, Office, you know, should come to you as one big package. And when you sign up to Office 365, there is an option to install Office in a very speedy way direct from the website. You literally click a button and it runs, hence click to run. And what it's doing in the background is streaming down to your PC. It kind of installs in like a containerized kind of way. Um, I don't know if, if any of you guys ever did container virtualized apps, like it's that kind of concept, hence click to run. There's some quite big differences with the management philosophy on click to run. So it is and install of the Office suite. You can't choose which apps install. You can't patch individual applications. You get a build of Office. And so with that, they have um, a number of channels, um, which is a marketing name for kind of software branches. It was originally called branches. And they have the kind of insiders build, which is the very, very fast one. Then they have current channel, which is like the normal retail one, so not for business. Um, and then they have the third channel, which is what businesses go on. And that's like about a four-month lag in terms of features and, and stuff like that. So so the, the business version runs along around four months behind the consumer version. And the idea is, is that, you know, all the bugs and issues and changes get addressed during that period and the business get a very stable version. But it's quite a different management philosophy to the old MSI model where, for example, quite often in, in businesses we work with, in the MSI model, the Skype team own responsibility for choosing when patches roll out for Skype and somebody else owns it for Exchange and somebody else owns it for Outlook or whatever. In the click-to-run model, it's, it's an entire build, so you have to get kind of someone who owns when the build is going to go. And if there's a change in Skype, in uh, Skype for Business, for example, like this icon change, I might want that to go out really quickly, but I can't because I've got to wait because the exchange team have some interdependency or it might go really slowly because nobody wants to update click to run because they're happy with the current build. So it's, it's worth understanding if you're anywhere in the desktop or, or office space for sure. Okay, great. Yeah, there's, it's it's interesting to see that um, in conversations I've had that some features will make it to click to run, but will never make it to MSI. Um, so yeah, that's 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 another interesting one actually, and that's not 
I don't think most enterprises have really picked up on that yet because it's just kind of leaking out feature by feature. But Microsoft are doing this thing where click to run is our preferred platform. So things like the um, broadcast meeting controls are only click to run. This new UI change is, is in click to run. Um, and there's things across the office stack that are only coming to click to run first. And basically, I think if, if enough people on MSI have enough of a business case, they're getting ported back. But the, the strong preference of Microsoft is click to run now. Okay. It's a cloud-based world, and we just live in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why would you want to control it? Like, uh, your just I your, bow your, before my, my, my your, hosting overlords. <laughs> your, 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 IOS, your iOS apps update automatically. Why shouldn't your desktop apps? Is right? the logic. That, no, it's crazy. Hour, like, sometimes like, you know, debate, flip out, right? like, and it's like, uh, oh, well, you, 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 you need to reactivate Windows, and you... You know, you, you forget, like, sometimes, you know, did I install this from online or did I install it from, from ISO? I mean, I forget sometimes, you know, and then yeah. you, you choose the wrong one. And it's like, okay, reinstalling all your crap. Like, no, wait a minute. Skype went away. Bye. No, come back. You yeah. know? So, Tom, I mean, there is a lot. Sorry, go ahead, Pat. I was going to say, so, you know, with Click to Run and Office 365 and everything, if you move off of Office 365, then your Click to Run stops working, correct? Uh, yeah, you can buy it. I think you can buy it independently of an Office 365 subscription. Like you can buy Office in that way. But if you, you as an individual, like you sign into Office and that's how it's activated. There isn't a product key. So it's an ongoing subscription. It's not a product key. It's not a point in time release. You're buying Office as a service essentially. I guess just to balance out that, that, that conversation, there is a ton of, management a desktop team can do so they can take their own branches their own builds they can obviously deploy to a you know they deploy a early build to it then they build they do a build to kind of friends and family and then finally they run a build out to the business so you can still control when builds go out and which builds go out and you can take complete control of that if you want to what you can no longer do is say i'm going to put this msp onto skype for business to fix this weird bug that's affecting the Skype team, um, but I don't want to patch Exchange and Outlook and whatever else is in the office suite these days. Okay. We'll make sure that we get a link to your lengthy blog post in the summary page. So thanks for that info. Next up, Office Online Sur- Server, OOS, uh, came out with a, a release for November. actually came out uh, two days ago. Um so, so if you, are, we, are we overdue another name for that server? It's been a, been a, been a few months now. <laughs> I, you know, if they, if they change it quick enough, no one will ever remember. Well, you know, this, the, the, was ever for this goes. I forget now. If you ask me, like the other day, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Oost now. <laughs> yeah, well, this goes back to the whole Skype for Business thing because you know before that it was Link and before that it was OCS and before that it was you know LCS and before LCS. that it was Microsoft Chat and uh, you know it's it's a product RGB. with an identity problem and and Oost is is the same thing. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a SharePoint role, and uh, it's sometimes the bane of existence for people that work in Skype uh, or uh, or Exchange. Uh, but um, if you do have uh, OOS running, so that you can, you know, share out your PowerPoint presentations and everything, um, there is a new update. Um, just like always, you kind of have to remove um, remove things. You have to remove the original installation and reinstall it. Uh, in order to apply this update, which means you have to remove the server from your uh, your OOS farm um, and patch it, and then bring it back uh, bring it back up. So, 
Um, something to keep in mind. Uh, among the improvements uh, are things that you probably will will notice more on the exchange side than on the Skype for Business side. Uh, but things around um, co-authoring in Word and some enhancements in um, Excel online and PowerPoint online um, and things like that. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, they still uh, require that you download this from the Volume Licensing Service Center. I, I still don't get why it was originally a free um, a free download, but check that out and uh, and get your servers uh, patched. I just hashtag Oos Farm just by the way. Let's see if it trends. Oos Farm. Oos. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a dance music, you know. Oos, 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 oos. Okay, never do that again because <laughs> I have an image of you just grinding now. I don't want to have that in my head. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not a. It's not. It wouldn't be a pretty uh, uh, view. Um, okay, so uh, next, speaking of uh, server updates, uh, Microsoft came out with a cumulative update for Link Server 2013. So if you um, if you're still running Link Server, there is a new cumulative update for that. And I did upgrade my uh, Get CS Update version script to detect it as well. So get that uh, deployed. Uh, so the improvement, the big improvement here is uh, around moving users in uh, in a Link Server 2013 environment. So, but also uh, it supports uh, the Skype for Business client on the Mac. So, John, you got to be happy, right? Yeah. I, anything that uh, furthers uh, my 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 love for for Mac OS is yeah. No, I mean yeah, it's cool because like when they, they talked about this. Um, it the uh, it, it ignited uh, on the uh, uh, you know Mac client session that uh, some of these some of these you know additional features once they release the the Mac client you know, we're, we're going to require updates to to both the Skype for Business server and, and Link server to be able to allow them to work so this is you know this is good them making good on this, those promises and and I gotta say kudos to them too I mean, they pretty much hit all their timelines they released the client when when they said they were going to release it uh, and uh, and most of these updates were were not far behind so you know good good timing. Great. Um, okay, let's talk about a script for a second. So Chris Cook, who we've had on here before, he wrote the uh, the often used um, script to document your link or Skype for Business uh, environment. Came out with a new script called uh, Get CS User Routing Config, uh, and this will get obviously all your user call routing information. Um, he writes awesome stuff. I mean, it's uh, it's it's bulletproof. He went through all the research of finding out where the data was stored in the RTC local uh, instance and uh, was able to extract it and uh, and present it to you um, for inspection. So check it out. It's on the TechNet gallery, and uh, we'll have a link for that. Yeah. No, I, actually, you know what? I didn't even know about this. So, again, that was one of the cool things about being on this podcast, I, I learned stuff just like everybody else. You know, I didn't know he, I didn't, I must have missed that, that I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, and just, you know, we talked about him before, and I, that, that I, well, we met, I, he was at Ignite, I was fortunate enough to, you know, hang out with him um, at Ignite a little bit, and, uh, you know, I told him he should, have, he, should be, he should have been charging for his documenter tool for all these years, because I would have paid him tons of money, because I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I've used that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, no, he's an awesome guy, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, um, and, um, you know, you mentioned the, the documentation script, as did I. Um, he has completely rewritten that, and you should we should see something new around that pretty soon. So. Oh, really? Cool, cool. Yeah, and of course, uh, we talked a couple episodes back about um, his calculator, his planning Yeah, tool. I was going to mention that because I don't think I was going to um, You know, uh, 
around uh, hardware deployments and stuff like that, and he came. He did a lot of research around what's absolutely necessary from a hardware perspective. Uh, you know, CPUs and uh, um, memory and um, disk and everything, and um, it's a great tool. It, it's really a lot more granular, especially if you're trying to find uh, a sweet spot for an environment that is, you know, much smaller or much different than what the Microsoft documentation um, tells you. I mean, you know, some of their environments that they that they spec out for are, are extremely big or um, or complex, and uh, Chris's tool actually breaks it all down and tells you exactly what you need for exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And as, as Chris likes to say, remember, the, um, the answer is always four cores. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love it. Well, I, I kind of like I was saying, when we were talking at night, we were having our company party, and and uh, yeah, I, when he said that, I actually almost spit my drink out because I laughed so hard. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that's the answer. It's always, it's like what's the in uh, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, you know? <laughs> it's like the answer is always four cars. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and it's important too because again, like you know, how many times um, you know, uh, and I, you know, even you know, in, in our in my business, you know, when I'm doing demos for our products. Uh, the customers, I always bring up that, you know, that, you know, again, in, 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 in certain environments is never a problem, but in, in, in other environments, aka <coughs> VMware environments, um, you know, the link guys always have to justify, like, how many cores they need, and why do you need so many, and why do you got to overcommit, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this, this article is one of those things, like, hey, like, here, just read this. Just read it, and just give me my cores, and just leave me alone. <laughs> it's like, this guy's smart, like, trust me, you know, like, he wrote this, <laughs> read what he says, and give me my damn cores. Quit arguing. <laughs> yeah, his um, his stuff is extremely detailed. He did a lot of research into it, and he's been able to come up with results that were far more efficient um, than what Microsoft has published. So, um, you know, I think Microsoft stuff tends to be fairly general, and Chris's stuff is more exact. So, it's uh, it'd be hard to go wrong with that. Um, all right, oh, another update. Let's talk about this. This one I really uh, was excited about. The iOS app uh, for Skype for Business um, came out with uh, version 6.1. And the big thing that I love is the fact that you can now answer Skype for Business calls directly from the lock screen just by swiping. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, this is all the call kit integration stuff that, that, that they announced with iOS 10. It's, and and I, I, I kind of forgot about that, that you know, because I haven't seen really any um, any really apps that really have, have taken advantage of that, and this is like a huge deal because like you know like the you have a dialer in this app and then you have a dialer that's the core OS dialer, but they never talk to each other. Right now they do, and it's it's almost it was almost so I, as soon as I saw the release, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing, and I called my phone, I'm like, oh that's so cool, I can answer a Skype call right from the main dialer now. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, and. Oh, go ahead. Like a really small thing from Apple, I think, like to be aware that in the 21st century, like these VoIP apps are first-party experiences because Apple t- don't tend to like let going, letting go of this stuff. I think this is, you know, the Tim Cook regime. You know, you saw him let third-party keyboards in and let third-party apps in. I couldn't have seen Jobs doing that kind of thing, um, but it makes the it makes the experience of Skype for Business much better. You know, you have that answer from the lock screen. You have all your calls in one place, your mobile, you know, missed calls and received yeah, calls, your Skype calls in one place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
much, much better experience for business users that are using Skype. And it, that, that in turn means you're going to save money because you're probably going to use your VoIP client more often than your mobile, which is good for everybody. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I, I pretty much... If you just really took away the the, the actual built-in dialer, and, and I probably wouldn't notice because <laughs> you know, that's a be so much. Especially like when we were actually talking about people like when they go overseas, and you know what do you do for data and whatever. And I'm like, well, why do you need, you know feel like oh I've got a SIM so I can my my number looking forward. I'm like, why would you care about your your phone ringing with your number when you're traveling? I don't know. To me, it's like well just call Link, you know, like it's call Skype. It, that's my you know that's my all I need is data at that point. I don't really care about my phone number anymore, right? Right. I don't know. You know, I've had. Uh, a few times where I've gotten a Skype for business call and my cell phone will ring. I'll hear the, the ringing, uh, but there'll be no indication on the screen, the lock screen of what's going on. And so you unlock the phone and there's still no indication, but it's still ringing. Um, and, you know, so then you're hunting for the Skype for business client, letting that start up and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that, that this has uh has come into play. So now, John, you mentioned CallKit. So explain what CallKit is. Well, just like open up the, open up the dialer API to other, you know, other uh, applications so that other applications can actually use the dialer and, you know, put information on the dialer or use the dialer to bring. So another example of those is like these um, these um, uh, spam blocker uh, uh, apps that like Kaya uh, or Mr. Number, um, same kind of thing. So you can turn those on and say, hey, you know, if, if a call comes in, you know, to the dialer that, you know, it looks at the database of known, you know, people, it's kind of, you know, crowdsource where they, they, they build this, like, you know, this is spam database. So your dialer will, like, literally say, this spam call. Like, don't even, because, again, this, we, I think we talked about it in the past. Like, one of the, one of the, the, the pros and cons of this wonderful world of, like, basically disintermediating the entire cell phone or the phone number industry, right? The downside is that, uh, uh, the, the, you know, like the, basically, you know, because of, and, and we all take advantage of this, right? I have 312 numbers on my SIP trunk from, from, uh, 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 and right, which is a three one two, is this Chicago? If Chicago knows, like that was like, you know, hardcore downtown Chicago, and you couldn't, you can't get one of those. I think it's like like a one block, you know, square where you can actually get a three one two number anymore, like really. But but basically now anyone can buy those because you know. But same thing, so like you'll get calls now especially during election season, where it's like, oh, hey, somebody from my own town is calling. I should pick it up. And it's like, it's just some scam number. You know, it's like, you know, so it's like these, uh, so the call kit allows, you know, the dialer to actually be able to pick up other apps and, and, and write into those so that they can, you know, um, um, use that information. You, you know, that's, Apple, inter- Apple are far too cool to use like API or SDK, so they call it a kit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, no doubt, no oh, doubt in about two years, everything, everything from Microsoft in a year or so will be kits rather than SDKs and APIs probably. <laughs> You know, you know, it's interesting that we talk about this now because in the last probably three months, um, I've gotten a lot of spam calls on my mobile phone, and all, almost all of them are about, you know, congratulations, your business is now approved for, you know, blah blah blah. Um, and so I, I block them. I go in, you know, hit the block this contact link. But it, I always wondered. You know, why can't that just report into some database? You know, when you block something, maybe pop up a little menu screen that says block because and give you some choices. And if it's, you know, spam, then ship that information off to some, you know, Apple service that people can subscribe to and and thus accomplish the same thing that you were talking about, John, where, you know, if a call comes in from that number again, just block it as a spam or, or at least, right. you know, throw something. And that's what these apps says. basically do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So like I said, when it, so when, it, when the call actually rings, and I got you know, and I think and, you know, to be fair, Android's had this for years, I think. But yeah, uh, Android has had it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's you know, it's one of those things that like you know, Apple's not always the, the first to, to do stuff, and you know, but I also um, you know, opening up to every. Again, we always make I always make that the analogy of like I download an RDP app from the Amazon, the Google Play Store, and I'm like. Wait, I'm gonna give my domain creds to, to whom again? Like, you're like, who are these people? You know, like, there, there's a whole difference there, but but uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it is a different philosophy, but um, but uh, it's cool. Again, like I said, when they announced that this kind of thing coming in iOS 10, I'm like, well, I kind of forgot about it because I haven't seen any real, you know, real world use for that. So for the for the Skype business client to do that is is kind of huge in a lot of ways. Of course. Tons of you can hear the clicking on keyboards right now from all the uh, um, you know internal docs about how to t- take a Skype for business call like that you know companies write for their their users like now they got to rewrite all those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, well good. good. I'm uh, ecstatic that that came out. So um, all right, let's talk security for a second. So I wrote a blog post uh, a while back about uh, a couple of one-liners for disabling SSL 2.0 and 3.0 on your Skype for Business servers to kind of uh, increase security and enforce uh, TLS 1.1 or higher. And um, the last couple weeks or so, I've come across, you know, a few more instances to kind of advise people that that's, that's a good idea. Um, and, and I wanted to bring up a, a couple of pointers about doing that. And the first is um, don't do it on a reverse proxy because it'll break um, mobile connectivity for Skype for Business. Um, but instead of using just my one-liners, which basically are making some registry changes to your server, I wanted to point out a free utility uh, from Nartech Software called IIS Crypto, and it's basically a little, you know, just run it, and it brings up a little menu, shows you all the different protocols and ciphers and hashes and key exchanges, uh, shows you which ones are enabled and which ones are not. Um, I ran this on a 2012 R2 server, and everything was checked. So everything was enabled. Um, and it lets you uncheck things, like like I mentioned, SSL 2 and 3 and, and everything. Um, and it also lets you disable things like RC4, which is pretty old. Um, but a nice thing is it has a button on there called Best Practices, and when you click it, it turns off all the stuff that is typically recommended. Uh, such as the the protocols and ciphers I mentioned. So uh, it's real nice. It doesn't really install. It's just a you know run this little exe and 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 make your choices and then apply them. So if you're a little leery of making registry changes or you want to have a little more control, then this uh, IAS crypto from Nartech Software is kind of the way to go. So that's awesome. Thank you. Again, uh, yeah. I guess the second time I learned something on this podcast, if I just <laughs> tweeted that out too and bookmarked that. <laughs> we are here to educate. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, uh, well, and you know, let's let's jump to this other thing too. So we've talked about this before that um, Skype for Business and Link Server use uh, certificate-based authentication for clients. So when you log into uh, Skype for the first time, uh, you get a certificate from the front end, and by default, that certificate is valid for 180 days. And subsequent logins are dealt with via certificate uh, authentication. The problem that this, well, and it's a good thing because it's a little more efficient, but the problem that this creates is that when a user leaves um, your environment and leaves your organization, 
um, and you disable them in Active Directory, um, that certificate is still valid and they can still log in to Skype for Business for the remainder of the life of that certificate, um, assuming that they've logged in on that machine one time before and, and received the certificate. So it's always a good a best practice to make sure that you disable them in um, Skype for Business as well and revoke the certificate. Revoke, yeah. Yeah, so... I can't tell how many people have, like, gone uh, over the years, like, wait, we disabled somebody who left the company and they can still log into Skype. Like, why is that? I'm like, uh, yeah, because that's, cause that's how it is. <laughs> that's because their AD auth really has nothing to do with it. They have a certain, that's it, right? Right. And, and you know, to, to be fair, a lot of organizations really don't think about it. They think that they're no, safe right. by oh, disabling the user right. in Active Directory. And if the user has never logged into Skype for Business, then, um, you know, once they're disabled in Active Directory, they would not be able to log into uh, Skype for Business um, for the first time. Um, so, you know, there's a one-liner out there that I put out there about, you know, finding users who are disabled in Active Directory, uh, but still enabled in um, Skype for Business. And so you can run this and it'll it'll pop a link out. And I know, Tom, when I worked at Modality and, uh, you know, one of my uh, primary job roles was, uh, you know, when a customer engaged us for uh, a health check, that was one of the things I looked for because it is a security concern. Um, so. Yeah, people miss it all the time. Like, like you said, like you just, everybody thinks AD rules the world and I block AD and everything <laughs> stops. And that, and that used to be the case, but not with, not with self. Right. And I, I, all the times that I did health checks, I never found an organization that didn't have a whole pile of those users that were still enabled. Um, so uh, that being said, a gentleman named Alexander Holmset wrote a script called Disable Users. It's on the TechNet Gallery. It's a very simple, straightforward script. Um, but it, it comes up with four options. And one is, uh, you know, disable everybody that it finds that are, is disabled in AD but still enabled in Linkerscape for Business. Um, the next option is to delete those people from... Um, Skype for Business if they're disabled in Active Directory. And then a couple of options around disabling users in Active Directory. So a little menu, little tiny menu-driven script. It's very short, uh, but a nice little tool to use if you want to do a, uh, a quick check uh, in your environment and, uh, and take care of that. So check that out. Okay, last up in the Skype for Business area this week is a Polycom Trio update. So um, Lots of changes in this update. So if you've got Trio devices uh, in your environment, um, make sure you get this new firmware out there. Um, Tom, have you played with this at all? Uh, no, I haven't yet, actually. I saw it, I saw Randy tweet it the other day. We've got a Trio, um, a couple of Trios in the modality offices. I, l- I love them, like crazy good audio out of them. So I'm looking forward to this, this update. Yep, and when you say Rand- Randy, we mean Randy Wintle, who is a... Uh, yeah, the, the, the Randy. Yeah, the, the Randy, yeah. Escape for, <laughs> business, uh, <laughs> Escape for Business Master and, uh, and MVP, and uh, he works at Polycom. So, um, yeah, update update all your devices. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, events for a minute. A um, couple of things coming up. The Sydney Skype for Business November meeting is 
is coming up. So if you're in the Sydney area, check that out. Uh, our own Justin Morris from uh, Modality Systems will, will be there. And that is on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the 23rd. So check it out. It's at the UTS Business School. Um, next up, the UC UK Day recordings are now on Channel 9, and that's pretty good. Um, last week when I was at the MVP Summit, I finally got to meet our own Andrew Price in person. It was his first uh, MVP summit, so he is the the person behind uh, UC UK Day, and uh, it was uh, it was great to meet up with him. But uh, more importantly, is uh, the recordings from all those sessions are now available, um, and uh, you can check those out. So, Tom, did you uh, did you speak there? Uh, UC Day. Yep. Yeah. Yep, uh, yeah. 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 You talked about Cloud PBX. Wow, three and a half hours. That was right. So, so that so that recording is. Um, Actually, the Skype show, it's Mark Vale's show. He did a booth there, and oh. he just grabbed three people throughout the day. So it's like okay. one one long recording. Um, but actually, it's, he's on the post, he's got it chapter marked, different people. So it's not the it's not the live sessions, but okay. it's actually like a Q&A interview type format. So it's, um, he's got some really good people, actually. It's worth a look. Okay, great, great. I, I love the fact that, you know, if you can't meet, meet uh, if you can't make some of these conferences and, and events that you know these recordings are made available so at least you can go back and and find out when what went on i mean you miss the social networking you miss the ability to ask questions but um you know it's better than nothing you do at least get uh, you know the knowledge that was shared at the event yeah sometimes these in these informal formats like the, the skype show is like you know, does kind of some interview format stuff, and some of the user groups online are doing it as well. And even Microsoft with their, you know, the Skype broadcast meeting on the Fridays, a lot of good information drops now in those things. So there's, um, there's not a bad way to keep up to date. Right. Okay. If you are a dev um, in the link, Skype for Business, Office 365 space, you know, you're writing bots or whatever the case may be. Uh, there's uh, an event called Nor DevCon, uh, and it's in February of next year in Norwich, UK. And um, the agenda for that event has been released, so it looks like a whole bunch of uh, sessions on that Friday and Saturday. Um, so if you're interested, uh, check that out. And Tom Morgan from Modality. You guys have a lot of smart people at Modality. Jeez. Um, Tom will be speaking there uh, as well on uh bots writing bots and net so check cool. it out um, and tom if you if you are a dev you really need to follow tom's blog he writes some really cool stuff yeah definitely he's got some man uh, he, he does oh, really he, really good yeah we can uh, talk about some one thing but uh <laughs> <laughs> he's my personal hero right now <laughs> when we can talk about it we'll talk about it here yeah oh absolutely yeah, i'll have a blog post with pictures and everything for that um okay uh, UC user group in London, their meeting is on December 12th. Um, oh, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, Fly over, just, John. Yeah, let's just go over for, for a meeting. Yeah, we'll, it's we'll two hours. It's worth flying in for. Yeah. Uh, so check that out um, at the Polycom Executive Experience Center. There's a name uh, in London. So I uh, hope to see you there. Um, and Tom, you you were talking about Unity Connect earlier, so you and Andrew and Steve all spoke. So what was that about? Yeah, so that was um, the uh, event that we just went to 
last week, so uh, what was the dates? Uh, 17th, 18th in um, Amsterdam, or it was in Harlem, which is about 20 minutes outside of uh, Amsterdam uh, Airport. That was really good. It was a it was a it, traditionally a SharePoint event, but now an all up kind of Office 365 event. And uh, I know they'll be they'll be doing another one next year that will be bigger and better. They've already started teasing it. So um, if you're looking into your diary for next year, have a have a Google around Unity Connect as a, a conference to go to. Great, great. All right. All these events happening in in uh, Europe. Yeah, John. Yeah, well, we got I, think, no, I think we just we, need to jump got, on we, a train or a plane and, uh, we, and go over there. We've got no we've got no Microsoft event anymore. We got snubbed, didn't we? So we've got to do our own uh, our own events. Yeah, I really want to see the Futurama quote right there, but I refrained. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the coolest thing. I was like, is it all? Is all you know? It's all. It's more sort of you know. It's more organic, and it's like you know, homegrown by people who want to do it. You know, and yeah, you know, I, cool. I think the smaller events are having a bit of a revival. Actually, like, like I agree. Ignite, like, look at the ignite a thing, and it's it's great. But actually. If you if you want the on the ground news, the smaller events sometimes. Well, like like dev connections, really right? I mean, I, I've been kind of Jones in the, I mean, every, every time I you know I, I'm always like I'm almost like jealous like every time I some you know I, I kind of you know burn it out by going to to uh, to ignite and then then dev connections comes and it's like oh man I probably should have gone to that because <laughs> it just looks like a hell of a lot of fun and like you know is everything smaller and you're really talking to the people themselves and you know. Well, you know, the non-Microsoft events, you know, so other than Ignite and, and things like that, um, I think you get uh, more people that are up there that are can be somewhat critical of Microsoft, which can be a good thing, um, whereas at Ignite you get, you know, a lot of, you, you definitely get a lot of people from Microsoft that are speaking, but um, I think uh, more people that are all in and don't have a lot of critical things to say about Microsoft. I, I'm glad that these smaller events are really taken off. I, I talked to yeah, Andrew Price at um, uh, when we were in Seattle or in Redmond, and uh, he said that, yeah, next year they're already planning for UC Day for next year, and Microsoft's interested in getting involved somewhat, so it's growing over there. And like Tom, you said, uh, you know, you guys kind of got snubbed over there for a Microsoft event. So it's nice to see that the community is is putting on these events and they're growing and uh, vendors are getting uh, uh, involved and, and possibly Microsoft too. So kind of the best. Yeah, the, 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 the vendors is a big one as well. Like seeing the vendors that, you know, are at these shows supporting them. I think two, two things for me, one is any vendors that are supporting that space, give them a look because they understand what the community is about and they're putting their money where their mouth is in terms of that stuff. And if you're at these events, you know, I know we all want to like eke every bit of value out of the sessions we can, but take a bit of time to go around the vendors, like for them, because they're helping sponsor the event, but for you, you can hit, you know, half a dozen vendors in half an hour, avoid the massive sales pitch, find the techie person on the stand and get the right information way quicker than trying to have a, you know, a traditional sales meeting. So I think there's value for everybody in that format. Yeah, I think I, think I probably spent, always been equal, I probably spent more time on the expo floor at Ignite than in sessions. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's where, you know, it's where, that's where to meet everybody and, you know, say hi and, yeah, talk to the vendors and see what's going on. I mean, I learned a ton of stuff of what people are doing and, uh, yeah, I kind of to me that was the highlight in some ways. You know, like just like being out there and talking to people. So, so that goes back to my comment earlier about you know the fact that you can download recordings from conferences. You miss the ability to go around the vendor floor. Yeah. Um, if if you don't attend and and you know as as much as it's fun to to go around to 
the vendor floor and get all the crazy swag and the t-shirts and gadgets and stuff like that. Um, It's, it's very important to get around and see what, what some of these companies are doing. And, and, you know, there's hundreds of vendors at ignite and uh, you know, you might be making a beeline towards a specific vendor and you know where they are and you're going to pass all these other ones. And you just happen to look at the display as at some vendor that you go past and you go, Oh, wait a minute. They have a solution that fixes, you know, problem X that I'm having. And you stop and you talk to them, and, and that's kind of, you know, not really possible to do when you're uh, when you don't attend these events and you just download the sessions. So, yeah, so try those out. I, I went to um, a Link Day in Norway um, last year, and uh, it was a blast. The, the expo area was kind of small. It was uh, it was the first time that Stolly Hansen had put the event on. And, um, you know, there was maybe, I don't know, 25 vendors or so, you know, in kind of a small area. But the same thing, it was nice to be able to go around and talk to them and, um, and find out what's going on um, and, and how they could accomplish or how they could solve some problems or, you know, increase employee productivity or whatever the case may be um, for Skype for Business. Uh, and it was that was a great event too, and I know Stolly's going to work on putting that on again in the future. So, well, and you know, speaking of ignite, you, you can't have uh, drunken two a.m. Waffle House uh, sessions uh, remotely. So, <laughs> that, <laughs> that you need to be on prem for. <laughs> That's an on prem only play. <laughs> this is true, uh, and we managed not to get thrown out. So uh, I don't know how, but yeah, well, it's Waffle House. You're used to that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. The social, the social networking in the vendor floor, I think, oh, yeah. are the two best I things. Had, about I had, going I had the time of my life at at, uh, at Ignite. Yep, uh, I think my liver has finally uh, recovered. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, that's pretty much what we have for this particular episode. Uh, thanks to Tom and John for stopping by. Uh, always good to talk to you guys. Uh, thanks to Andrew Price, who um, takes these recordings of us kind of fumbling through and makes us sound smart. So, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, and it was great to meet you at uh, at the MVP Summit. Uh, and finally, before we go, as ever, we want to remind you that the UC Architects are online. Visit our website today at uh, theucarchitects.com. Follow us on Twitter at theucarchitects. Be a friend and like us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theucarchitects or check out our group on LinkedIn. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, you'll find us in the iTunes store, the Zoom Marketplace, or search for us in our Windows uh, WinPhone 8.1 podcast app uh, or in your favorite RSS reader such as Outlook. Uh, See our website for links to everything that we discussed on the show today. And we'll see you back uh, for the next episode. Thank you.